Welcome back to The Mountains in the Sea, where we explore the highs and lows of each and every Prince album every other week. I'm Josh. And I'm Kirsty. And today, 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 we are talking about Ingrid Chavez's album. It's often called a self-titled album, but it is I thought that it was not? when I was a youngster uh-huh. and bought it on release day. Yeah. And I thought it was kind of strange that it had, you know, handwriting on it. And in my defense, if you look at the spine of the CD, it only says Ingrid Chavez. That's true. It does not say anything else. So I thought it was a self-titled album. I thought it was like kind of just part of the album artwork. May 19th. May 19, 1992. That's right. That's the actual official name of the album. Though I don't think anybody gets mad if you say Ingrid Chavez's self-titled album. They know exactly what you're talking about. I was more worried about making people mad by saying Chavez. Should it be Chavez? I I don't know. That would make me more angry if I was one who would get angry about referring to it incorrectly. Oh, well, that's fair. May 19, 1992 is really close to when I graduated High school. It really is. Very, very close. Now we all know Josh's age. Well, <laughs> you couldn't tell from the wisdom in my voice <laughs> that right. didn't tell you that I was 39 years old. <laughs> That's right. He was a child prodigy, folks. I still am a child prodigy. <laughs> I'm wise beyond my years. If 109 episodes, how many of the, how many are there? Something, Something like, like that. that. I don't know. Six, if that many nine. episodes of this podcast doesn't tell you how wise I am beyond my years, then nothing I say will do that. <laughs> as Christy adjusts her microphone, as it suddenly limps <laughs> down to the downward facing position. Am like I a, not as exciting like a, as I think I, I am? It's like, wow. That is... <laughs> Do we have Cialis as a sponsor of this show? Because it's just a moment there that um, nobody captured on video. That would be perfect. Well, do you find yourself in uncomfortable situations? So confusingly, the name of the album uh-huh. is May 19, 1992. Correct. But it was released September 24th, 1991. Right. Did you not find why it was called that? No, I did. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. I was like, well, I've got to figure why out why that is. Why don't you tell us, Josh? Well, I don't want to. If you you went searching for it uh, like I did, well, I you did. you you tell us. Oh, okay. Well, you tell me, and then I can just scratch it off my notes and not have to say all the words. <laughs> Ingrid and Prince uh-huh. set up a photo shoot. Okay. On May 19th, 1991, mm-hmm. Mark Abrams took the photo. Right. Mark Abrams is a famous fashion and portrait photographer. He's known for his black and white photos, and he's done celebrity photos mm-hmm. of George Clooney, Tom Hanks, Michelle Obama, Evander Holyfield, and many others. Yeah. And had many, many cover images. For magazines. That was what they did on May 19th, 1991. And the one year anniversary of that is what they decided to name the album. I think that is a very, I read that and I did not know it. (laughs) It's such, it's a like, it's super Ingrid Chavez thing to do. It fits right in with this whole thing. It is a perfect name Mm. for this album. Mm -hmm. 
I really think. Yeah. She's a little unusual and a little quirky. Uh-huh. And, I mean, it's a beautiful photograph. It's oh, a yeah. very cool cover image, mm-hmm. I have to say. Oh, yes. So the recordings for this album were done at Paisley Park in December of 1987. Shortly after it opened. Yes. Yeah. Like super close. Mm-hmm. Ingrid read her poems. Prince told her, write 21 poems. Correct. And when she had written all 21 poems, she went into Paisley Park and she told him the name of the poem and he decided what some music would sound like and he played it and she listened to it on headphones and read her poems mm-hmm. and that was how all of the vocal recordings got done right and then in march and april 1991 primarily at Larrabee Sound Larrabee was the same studio where much of new power generation the maxi single was recorded, mm-hmm. however, and many unreleased songs. That's right. Were so this was there too. quite a while removed from yeah. when Ingrid recorded her vocals. Right. Is when Prince went back and added new backing. Mm-hmm. So he had played backing to all of the poems that are included here and a bunch of that are not. Right. And then went and for many of them, went back and did uh, redid the music later. Yeah. So Prince met Ingrid right around the time that he shot the Black Album. Apparently, mm-hmm. the same day that he shelved the Black Album is the day he met Ingrid. Correct. Yeah. So it's unknown for sure whether she had anything to do with that. Yeah. So... Um, She has a very sweet story that I'll post a link to about how she met him, that they had exchanged glances at a club. Uh, Is this the one that she recorded with Andrea Swenson? Yes. Yes. It's a lovely little video. Mm -hmm. That was from 2018, uh like recent. Yeah. They exchanged glances, and then she was in a club, a same club that he was in after that, days or weeks later, and she... Thought he looked a little sad, and she wrote him a note, and somebody sent him the note, and it was very sweet. If you'd like to watch that video, you can find us on Facebook, The Mountains and the Sea of Prince Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at TMATS, T-M-A-T-S Podcast, or you can send me an email, Podcast at gmail.com, and I'll be happy to send you a link. So I did some off-the-rails research of my own. Mm-hmm. So yes, May 19, 1992 is the one-year anniversary of the photo shoot for the album cover. So I thought, what else happened on May 19th, 1992? Because that's where my thought initially went. I knew it was a date in the future from when the album was released. Mm -hmm. I didn't know until I went searching that it was related to the one year anniversary of the album cover. Shoot. So a famous, famous day in the history of Earth. Starting with Some Gave All, the debut album from Billy Ray Cyrus, released on May 19th, 1992. It's a little game we play called, What Could This Album Be Named After That Would Be Wrong? (laughs) So you're Mm. looking like Billy Ray isn't mm, turning you on much. So how about Amy Fisher shooting Mary Jo... Buttafuoco in the what? face with in an altercation Aww. over an affair with her husband in Massapequa, New York, Aww. on May nineteenth, nineteen ninety two. Both of those women are victims, by the way. 
Uh, sure. <laughs> but yeah. It's, it's yeah. But a Foucault. <laughs> <laughs> the streets will flow with the blood of the non-believers. How about U.S. President, Vice President Dan Quayle attacking Murphy Brown for being a single mother <laughs> as a poor example of family values <laughs> happened on May 19th, 1992. What a freaking idiot. <laughs> Yes. Okay. Probably the one that will impress you the most. May 19th, 1992 is the birthday of British singer-songwriter Sam Smith. Oh, well, that's all right. There you go. I wanted to save probably the most palatable one for last. Uh-huh. Yeah. So he was nary a child. He was a, He was just a... Gl- no, he was more than a gleam when it came when the album came out, I guess. Yeah, he was, uh, he was gleaming from being right. born. Well, when the album came out, he wasn't gleaming. Oh, that's born. true. That's true. He was a, a baby on the bump. Date. That's right. On the day written on the album cover. Yes. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I thought that was kind of fun information. I thought that surely nothing interesting happened there. I've expected Josh Norman nearly ready to graduate from high school, and that was not there, but <laughs> Sam Smith, come on in. <laughs> they didn't have... Uh nearing the graduation of Josh Norman no, when you did your Google search? there wasn't search? a single almost graduated high school entry in Jeez. the May 19th, 1992 Jeez. day in history. The Black Album got shelved and Ingrid's vocals were featured on the album that came next, Love Sexy. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Mm-hmm. I Know was her first appearance on any kind of officially released recorded media anywhere. Right. And she was credited as the spirit child. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, she was caught reciting the alphabet in Alphabet Street. Uh-huh. Skipping a letter. Yep. And she, just because Prince distracted her, he wasn't, right. do, she claims he wasn't doing anything naughty. Right. That there was no ulterior motive. Uh-huh. Yes. The first recordings that Ingrid made at Paisley Park were actually before the readings of her poem. She wasn't sure if they were any good or not. She said she carried in a guitar that she didn't really know how to play, and she just kind of winged it and figured it out. But those recordings must have been something that Prince enjoyed at least a little because he played them during the intermission of the Love Sexy tour. Had no idea. Okay. I mean, because he enjoyed them or because he wanted people to f- leave and go to the bathroom or get some nachos? <laughs> I don't know. Okay, I don't either. <laughs> I don't recall what that sounded like. Oh, I well, no idea. I don't either, but he Fun. must not have completely hated it. Right. Yeah. I mean, he didn't play Some Gave All during the intermission of Lux- Love Sexy, so he must have liked it better than some things. Mm-hmm. Art direction for the album Artwork? was by Deborah Norcross. She was nominated for a Grammy for package design of another album in 1995, the album Boingo by Oingo Boingo. Oh, didn't know that. Mm -hmm. This is a very, very beautifully designed album cover and booklet. Yes, I would have to agree. Definitely concede that. Also worked with Bob Dylan, Chuck Berry, Debbie Harry, Guns N' Roses, The Time. She did the Pandemonium album. All right. Shaka Khan, Ray Charles, the Goo Goo Dolls, and more. Not Sam Smith, though, huh? Not that was on her Wikipedia page (laughs) or her website. Yes, they chose 
for the cover of this. Uh, pretty simple font for her name. Yeah. Simple but pretty. And handwriting for the date. Mm-hmm. And a slightly blurry photograph. It's difficult to tell if she's clothed or not. You think you can kind of tell she's wearing shorts or something. Yeah, or a but, black skirt, maybe. Yeah. Or But dress. really, what you see is the top of her head and arms and legs. Yeah. Yeah. And then a lovely photo of her yeah, on face the close up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. You can tell it's like a lovely portrait, black and white. And the same type treatment yep. on the inside. And then look at this. We get lyrics. Oh, yeah. For lyrics every and you can song. read them also. Mm-hmm. As long as like you. It's readable. It's very small. It but, is small. Yeah. But it's readable. We have some thanks. Mm-hmm. And then a quote from hippie blood and then some more just really lovely photographs yeah i think this one do you think it's a rolled up rug that's what it looks like to me well it definitely does look like that and the tassels are in the inside there's tassels in the middle and the edges of a rug like a sewn edge of a rug Mm -hmm. sure a different photo that's similar to that on the front cover yep and then what looks like a close-up of fabric Mm mm-hmm a pear. Yep. Mm-hmm. Very beautiful. And flowers. And then another blurry close-up of her face. Yes, her brow, mm-hmm. I guess you could say. Yes. She's described as a visual artist and poet. Oh, there you go. I wonder if she did her own eye makeup or if Prince did it for her. I don't, I don't know. I don't either. But it's very pretty, very dark, and it kind of looks like she'd been crying a little. Oh, maybe so. Yeah. Yep. But it's pretty. And the actual disc itself. The actual disc is a nice little two color ditty, kind of a taupey brown yeah. and black. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. a lot of the type is left bare. So it's the color of the CD coming through, which is such a nice yeah, it's way to very, do stuff. It's very, very cool. Yeah. I always thought it looked like it looked like makeup to me. Oh. The sure. color of the disc itself. Sure. And then the back is just another photo of her with an actual track listing. Yeah. Which is quite nice. It is really nice. I give high marks for, Mm -hmm. I mean, you can, if you want to see a lot of bad design, you can go back to (laughs) 1991 for it. That's for sure. Sure. And this is not an example of that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that's why we're covering this now too, by the way. Obviously she was Prince's co-star in Graffiti Bridge even though this album didn't come out until closer to the time of Diamonds and Pearls, it had been kind of in the works for two, three years, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So it fits to me in the Graffiti Bridge Right. Well, it was timeline. because they had this, they, she called it their winter together, Yeah. where she, they did some work together that Prince knew about her and wanted her to come be a part of Graffiti Bridge. Or at least after others pulled out of the role. That's fine. It's okay to be somebody's second choice sometimes. Yep. And then after this album came out, she kind of dipped out of the music business for a while. She got married, uh, had children. She decided she wanted to focus on her children. I think she was a single mother, wasn't she? She was a single. Yes. She'd had a child in Atlanta in... 1984, I think, and she moved to uh, Minneapolis in 1986 with that baby's father, mm-hmm. and they broke up after that. She actually lived in Marietta, Georgia. I saw that. Mm-hmm. I have family in Marietta, Georgia. That's right. 
So interesting. Yep. And um, now she lives in New England and continues to work as a poet and singer-songwriter. Mm-hmm. And she had a whole altercation with Justify My Love. Oh, yeah. She yeah. co-wrote it. She co-wrote it with Lenny Kravitz when she was shooting Graffiti Bridge. Mm-hmm. And uh, Lenny kind of sold it out from under her and didn't give her any credit. And there was a protracted legal battle where she was victorious. Yes. Wasn't it an undisclosed sum? Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. They settled for? Yes. Because I believe Prince played a uncredited guitar solo on that also. Really? Oh, yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah. So the music, can we, do we, I guess it's the music. There's songs? Accompanied poems? They are... Some of them are definitely songs. Yeah. There are soundscapes. There are songs. There is some singing. Uh Uh-huh. And then there's, you know, poetry slam type... Performances. Stuff. Yeah. Well... The tracks. Yeah. There we go. The first performance, the first track on this collection. Yeah. get Get your coffee, sit down, and... Have a listen. That's right. Heaven must be near. Seven minutes and seven seconds. Mm-hmm. Ingrid said that this came from her and Prince talking about the idea of heaven. Oh, I did not know that. Mm-hmm. That was that in her, the uh, Andrea Swanson Swenson interview. I think so. Okay, I didn't make it through the whole thing. No, I'll do that when you post <laughs> when it on I social posted. media. Uh huh. This one was a promotional single in the UK sometime in the spring of 1992, about eight months after the album release. Yeah. Uh, Prince and Levi Caesar Jr. recorded the new backing music Mm -hmm. in August of 1989, and it was premiered on the New Power Generation radio show December 9th, 1989 on Minneapolis's KMOJ. Yep. With Prince and Levi using pseudonyms to yeah. be the the hosts. The hosts. Yeah. It was fun and silly. That is funny. Prince as me, myself, and I, and Levi Caesar Jr. as Michael Anthony. Mm-hmm. Wasn't he in Dexter? I'm pretty sure he was. Something like that. Yes. Yeah. It starts out with spoken words. Yeah. No. No music, and almost like a purposefully noisy. Recording, not mm-hmm. perfect. There's like some hissing mm-hmm. and stuff in the background mm-hmm. that makes it sound very, I don't know, unproduced. Yeah. Falling water echoes like the rain on a hollow day. If I could bust these invisible walls, I might be okay. Uh, clamp your clamp. Clap your, <laughs> clap your hands. Not clap your hands. Don't do that. Don't clamp your hands to anything. In fact, I think that's exactly what Ingrid would, would not want you to do. That'd be the opposite when she says, clap your hands, stomp your feet, uh-huh. which is also the intro, the intro to I Know. Right. Sampled from that exactly. recording. You're yes. right. But yeah, or it's the same recording. Mm-hmm. There's some interesting pitched vocals. Yeah, well, there's a lot of that on this album, too. Yeah. As her voice slowed, not sped up, I don't think ever, but slowed down to mm-hmm. almost like male vocal. Heaven must be near. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
but it's an interesting way to play with what was already there. Yeah. I don't know. That's kind of a hallmark of this one is lots of slowdown vocal effects and ethereal music by Prince and some piano and keys by Prince too. Mm-hmm. It's got this interesting experimental sound or space sounds and some simple organic piano. Must be near because sacred music rings from my heart tonight. Yeah, um, and some of this sounds like something she could have said in a character in Graffiti Bridge, like Fair. verse two I must be in love, I feel all willowy inside. Heaven must be near because sacred music rings from my heart tonight. I sit my nights fishing, pulling stars from above. Growing closer each day to this thing called love, a starry night, and I'm a millionaire, and I'd give them all to you just to know that you care. Yes, but in Graffiti Bridge, she was a little less interested in the love portion of things. But like, she was like she was God fearing, and yeah, like she was almost as mystified. You would think an angel would be clued in to a little bit of what was going on, and her character was not, right? So for her character to say, heaven must be near. And obviously, she sat a lot of nights under the stars being Mm -hmm. a homeless angel. (laughs) Yes. Look at my little nest among the reeds. That's right. You want to see where I write? The guitar in the left channel replaces the piano, and it's a kind of nice change. I have that in my notes exactly at two minutes and 50 seconds. Mm -hmm. Plucky guitars in the left channel. Mm Mm-hmm. Very, very cool. Yeah, I thought it was pretty. When will I wake up from this dream? I hear you calling me. And then uh, Prince does this obvious thing that he really understands and knows how to make work, where he marries music and lyrics to sound effects. Okay. I hear you calling me, and there's this little sample of hit it. From this dream. I hear you calling me. Is it hit it? I couldn't tell what it was because that to me sounds almost more like a surprised guttural sound. Yeah. Oh, I that kind of thing. I thought it was hit it. Well, that's what it says on Genius Lyrics. I don't know if it says that in the lyric book or if it's even noted in there. But that very sound effect, Mm -hmm. uh, whatever it is, whether it be hit it or hit it, or it almost sounds almost like a hiccup. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. Go back and listen to Love Machine at two minutes and seven seconds. That sound effect is buried in Love Machine there also. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's at uh, two minutes and 56 seconds and Heaven Must Be Near is where you can hear this. I hear you calling me. Night falls closer Almost swallowed hiccup and you can hear it in Love Machine at two minutes and seven seconds too. The longer the time. The longer the time. It's not in the lyric book. Okay. You don't think of this as certainly not a song and definitely not as an album of a bunch of bass guitar, but there's Mm -hmm. a little bass guitar hit at five minutes and eight seconds among all of the words, the spoken words, that is pretty cool. Um, I do like her kind of opposing sentiments of heaven must be near as kind of optimistic. And then she has bitterness gathers like dust. 
bitterness gathers like dust. There are a lot of yin and yang kind of statements. I guess that's sort of what makes poetry poetry too, is like to be, or at least like, yeah, at least I think of like 1991 poetry as being a little bit of stream of consciousness and contradiction, that kind of thing. So she was ahead of her time, if you're thinking of it as 1991 poetry. I know, because she was three years ahead of that, right? Yeah. In one of her 21 poems, The Prince Requested. That's right. I thought that it's uh, like typical poetry to me. Like it's supposed to just invoke imagery in the mind, of course, and also make a statement, but somehow remain open for interpretation. Also like a little delicate word salad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's some of that here. It's fine. Uh, There are a couple of samples that I couldn't quite identify, but are where they were but they're listed as being used in this passing clouds and sea of mercury. And those were uh, by BBC radiophonic workshop Oh, are okay. supposed to both be in this. Okay. And if you Wouldn't listen know them to if the, I heard it, but okay. No, but um, I was able to find passing clouds and, I can't identify where it was in this, mm-hmm. but I can totally hear it being there somewhere. Okay. Maybe a little buried in the background. Passing clouds. There, there is a lot. Of, it's a lot very of... like experimental music-y oh, okay. sort of. It's really like made to be used in things like Doctor Who and oh, okay. stuff like that. And then we roll into track two. Also, starting with the letter H. We're going to talk about things that have maybe some kind of meaning, but left open for interpretation. (laughs) Tracks one and two both start with the letter H. Sure. I also wanted to mention, like, Ingrid has this very, obviously she has a unique voice, but the way that she speaks is unique also. It is sometimes very enunciated, but yet also a little slurry. And high-pitched, and I'm not talking about, like, speech impediment slurry or I drank a little before I came to do poetry, (laughs) but there's a childlike... um, very wispy. Yeah, and also... While still being enunciated. odd way of saying some words also. Okay. And some of that might be by design, too, to make it more poetic. Uh Uh-huh. But I just wanted to point that out also. And I I think up to this point, we haven't heard any singing yet. No. uh, Through the first seven minutes and seven seconds. And can we also point out that a song called Heaven Must Be Near has the number seven in its length two times? Maybe maybe that's intentional. Mm. Maybe it's not. If it had been seven minutes and six seconds, that would have been six minutes and 66 seconds, which would be the opposite of... Heaven, we're one second more than that, and we get two sevens in the timing. I could be reaching quite a bit here, but I wanted to like, I'm like, do am I smart enough to get this, or is there not a, anything to really get? Because I think the truth lies somewhere between the two about you being, it's meant to be challenging, right? Right. Like intellectually challenging and also just pretty. Yeah. Hmm. I bet if you asked Prince later... He'd have say, "Oh, absolutely, that was completely intentional." Yeah, or or he would say, uh, "What does that mean to you? What does that say to you?" 
And then he'd walk. He'd, he'd like turn around to answer him and be gone. He would uh-huh. have disappeared, <laughs> vanished like a passing cloud. Okay. Well, Hippie Blood was a single. <laughs> well, you were so done listening <laughs> to me talk about that. Yeah, Hippie Blood. Go ahead. It was a single. Released March 5th, 1992, six months after the album. It did not chart, and it was only released in the U.S. and Japan. Hmm? This track doesn't have Prince input, but remixes on the single were done by Prince. Which I found very interesting. Like he, We also didn't mention that this was all done and recorded and then Warner Brothers asked for more sung lyrics uh-huh. and like the mature artist that Prince was he abandoned the project completely <laughs> and let Levi Caesar Jr. basically finish it Yeah. but here's a song that he did not write he did not play any instruments on essentially no input other than he owned the studio where it was recorded uh, but for the Maxi single, he did most of the remixes himself. Mm-hmm. So, so I, mean, I wonder what is that? What, I mean, what enters his mind? Like, he doesn't have other things to be doing. So he didn't abandon the project, right? He just decided to have a little hissy fit. He didn't abandon the project. What he did was he had a hissy fit. He walked away from it. And then Levi told him how cool he thought this song was. And Prince was like, had some FOMO and <laughs> <That's right>. yeah. <laughs> went and did some like remixes. It was like an updated version of Kiss, essentially. He hears someone else get involved and he wanted to step in and make it his, which I'm sure no one said, oh, we don't need Prince's involvement with this. This is not going to end well. That's not it at all. It was just kind of this interesting, clearly the interest was still there mm-hmm. or he wouldn't have bothered doing this mm-hmm. on a song mm-hmm. that he had n- nothing no part of right this one's less ambient and experimental sounding yeah although it does have the same type of you know i mean obviously lyrics are a type of poetry you know opening up with as we swim in the spirit of love the heavens smile on this pool of kissy fish clouds bursting with rain in a perfect sky open up and drench these thirsty souls Mm mm-hmm Oh, why do we deny that we are all brothers and sisters? I'm like, Prince may not have had direct things to do with this. Yeah. But you can kind of see how it mirrors the images and love sexy. Uh, And also the fact that everyone working on this is a hired hand of Prince, knows his personality and beliefs and that type of stuff. So even though he wasn't, you know, himself part of it, I'm sure no one sat down to say, let me do something that's really going to push Prince into uncomfortable territory. That's not how you kept a job around Paisley Park, right? No. And I mean, and Prince had heard all of these, you know, he had some sort of input on what ended up on the album because there's not 21 tracks. True. You know, even if he didn't directly have things to do, he'd mm-hmm. heard them all before. You know, he had some input on yeah, what or ended he had up his on favorites. It. Yeah, what there's some of these no input by Prince. I'm like, that's not true because he yeah. had influence on Ingrid. Sure, he did. I don't think anything got released on Paisley Park as a label that Prince didn't have some involvement with, to even the most minute degree. Right. This is the first song where we hear singing. Also, yes. Mm-hmm. A minute and yes. 16 seconds into it, the chorus is where we hear the first real singing on the album. And I think very competent singing. Yeah, like, I think so too. Very pleasing. Uh-huh. Beat, baby. 
also thought that here in track two, we have a Paisley reference. Yes, I was going to say, well, here it is. the chorus of the song. And it, again, it might not be directly Prince, but... So, um, so yeah. yeah, here we are, track two, we've got a Paisley Park reference. No documented Prince involvement, but... Again, I think this was some, I don't want to say pandering, but also you know, this could have been part of the original lyrics that Ingrid wrote, knowing that she was going to Princess Paisley Park to do this. And so that's where the influence came from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Clever hints of better ways to help us through these Paisley days. Mm-hmm. Lots of fun underlying piano and keys at a minute and 42 seconds. sometimes disappointed that this song didn't have at least musically Prince involved with it because mm-hmm. it does sound like it fits with the opening track quite well. Yeah. They all hang together really nicely. Right. For sure. Here she is referencing Spirit Child. Yeah. Which is how she was credited on Love Sexy. Yep. Which or- you don't know which came first, the Love Sexy credit or the Hippie Blood lyrics. Mm-hmm. A rainbow tribe of angels play in the Garden of Eden, utopia in the mind of a spirit child. Yep. We see you, Ingrid. We see mm-hmm. you. And I did like the simple rhyming. Peaceful solution, a love resolution, constant evolution, spiritual absolution, will it, will of execution. It was very um, in excess mediate kind sure. of, which I know wasn't a, an, an original thing by in excess either, but it was sort of like the extended portion of Need You Tonight. Mm-hmm. And if you remember, there was a video and Michael Hutchins is dropping these. Did he do it or was it another band member that had those cards with mediate uh-huh. you know all the all, all the, the eight words yeah. on it so that's what this random reminded me of in fact sorry i got distracted at like three in the morning when i was <laughs> making my notes and i would <laughs> and i listened to a little bit of an excess kick while i was at it uh-huh oh, fun. And i was like yeah this go. does remind me of it yeah and then it fades out it and does then it comes back it does with this incongruous Melody with flutes and choir vocalizations. It's a little baffling. We get a trip to like Sherwood Forest. <laughs> like I'm expecting, yeah. you know, Ingrid's minstrels to come hopping through the trees. <laughs> I don't know where this comes from at all or why, why it's there. And yes, shoes that's and right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Fluffy collars. They're going to steal from the rich and give to the poor. That's right. It's like a, 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 what do you call the medieval festival with... A renaissance festival. A renaissance festival. <laughs> Thank you. Could not think of the word. Oh, I should listen to more Mediate. Maybe they would have got to, you know, seance, renaissance. I could have, maybe, maybe, that, maybe that would have made it. But yeah, that was... Um, I couldn't remember if that was tracked at the end of Hippie Blood or at the beginning of Candle Dance. Uh, but yeah, it's tracked at the end of Hippie Blood. Yeah, it's weird. It was a musical. I always think like when there are these musical moments too, like you said, Ingrid didn't play an instrument necessarily. I mean, it's all like lyric writing and vocal performance. So 
when there are these instrumental things that happen, you know, it's, it's, it's Ingrid Chavez. It's her album. So she's, she's got 21 poems. Some have been edited out. We're like cream of the crop stuff here, right? Final cut. And yet we've got time for. (laughs) Yeah. This weird little. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Renaissance festival. Yeah. I just would have loved to see like who decided we're going to put this in here and that'll be like a little twist and it'll be just a audio mind blow. Uh (laughs) I don't know. Candle dance. Candle dance. Michael Koppelman did Mm -hmm. the backing music for this. Right. Prince is uncredited on guitar and keys. Very interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is where I really start to notice, you listen to this in headphones, the vocal weird weirdness i don't want to say weirdness because it's not it's not weird it's just uniquely yeah it's kind of i want to say strange but it's strange is like weird and that's not what i'm trying to say at all Uh uh-huh it's unique it's unusual it's breathy and listen to how she says the word flicker like okay flickle flickle candle dance flicker flicker Candle dance. Yeah, it's it's very childlike. Yeah, like someone who's just learning to speak, just finding their voice. Uh Uh-huh. That's fair. She had a toddler at this time, so maybe she was pulling it from... Did you see that candle dance? Did you see it? (laughs) Yes. I mean, I'm sure she heard a lot of that type of thing. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe so. There's these moans amongst the lyrics, which I find, well, I actually find them a lot more effective when they're not quite so close to the lyrics, when they're underneath the lyrics. I find them kind of distracting. The stone pounds the ground and sways the trees, rocks the fishy boats and drenches me. And okay. also, it's a little overt with the lyrics that could be taken sexually or not sexually and then they okay. go and put the moans under it i'm like can't, can't we just can't you leave that up to the interpretation of the audience i would have appreciated that okay i think that's fair mm-hmm. um two minutes and 10 seconds though we do get the guitar yeah and that's prince uncredited playing guitar under flicker. all go on flicker candle dance this is very definitely like the first slow ethereal mood track mm-hmm. i guess you could say you know heaven must be must be near is fairly upbeat yeah uh hippie blood is definitely it's not an upbeat song but it has an upbeat tempo right and this really kind of slows everything down yeah quite a bit yep sound effects galore too you know when she says it's raining and then two minutes and 31 seconds, we get a muted guitar solo also. Mm-hmm. Raining. Very, very indicative of poetry, I guess is what I want to say, to end a song with this obvious statement like, it's raining. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's descriptive, but it's also, but when it's in this audio format and you put rain sounds. Yeah. Then we have Elephant Box. You mean Elephant Box. 
more slowed down vocal effects. Mm-hmm. It was a single released August 22nd, 1991, four weeks before the album. Isn't that amazing? When was Hippie Blood? Like months after March. the... Yeah, so... Yeah. First single drops like a month before the album's release, and then months pass before we get uh huh another single. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was the first release of any kind that was credited to Ingrid Chavez. Right. Yes, it did not chart anywhere because it was only released in the U.S. and it didn't chart in the U.S. <laughs> so so it didn't have a strong Australian <laughs> following. That's right. Having only been released here. Very eerie electric piano. This is all Ingrid and Prince, yeah. by the way, too, right? Yeah. So it's this carnival sound, complicated bell synths, and she even says carnival glitter. What glitters is gold? That's how she says that too. Listen to yeah, like, it's got carnival such... glitter. What glitters is gold? Yeah. It is like an adult child. Yeah. Yeah. It took me like, wait, what? I had to listen to it several times to be able to understand it. Yeah. 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 It's almost like you've prompted a child to like, yeah, not to speak, but to repeat the sounds that you make that make words, but they don't understand how it all fits together or mm-hmm. what it means in the language. It's just... Sounds that are imitated, yes, are like mouth movements mm-hmm. that you make. I would uh, say this song, this performance has the most unusual delivery and the most of that kind of articulation. Mm-hmm. That's or, fair. Yeah, it also has a little bit of take me to Central Perk and let me watch Ross play keyboard. <laughs> Yeah. You know, there are sound effects, there are like record stops and even like sampled instruments that kind of sound like elephants at point at parts oh. throughout this too. Ooh, oh, there's okay. all this kind of stuff going on that sounds very elephante. <laughs> <laughs> Harry elephant. Harry is my favorite zoo animal. I also wondered like am I just did I miss school the day they talked about what an elephant box was <laughs> yes, and, and that's what i was going to point out too is that it's very juvenile uh-huh to just assume that you know what an elephant box is and i think it's just a box with elephants on it and it's their elephant box okay like a place like, to just keep just like you things. know like rolling around in an elephant box is like it makes me think of a marble inside okay. one of those wooden the, yeah. not not even wooden like a like it's made out of cardboard with the printed paper on it. Okay. That's what it makes me think of. Also, like the dichotomy of an elephant being, you know, a huge creature and uh-huh. a box being something that is typically kind of small and contains something. So there's, again, that dueling yeah, shapes, size sizes. Yeah, that kind yeah. of stuff happening here that, again, it's almost like... I don't know. I mean, I'm not a poetry scholar, of course. I don't know if you could tell that by how (laughs) well I speak. But is it, like, clever or is it trying too hard? I guess that's in the eye of the beholder also. Mm -hmm. It it makes some assumptions about the listener that 
are either a delightful puzzle to work out or uh, too ambiguous. Okay. Yeah. Like I've given you enough to think about. I want to know, am I really supposed to arrive at some conclusion or not? That's fair. And I'm not sure that I'm set up to do that or if I'm just being <laughs> Right. I'm not given enough with. information because really poetry is very subjective. But I think really successful poetry gives you enough context around what they're talking about for you to be able to either form a picture or at least some sort of understanding. And there's some assumptions made without giving you any context. Right. Or it gives you enough information to make an argument that this is what they're talking about. This is what it means. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure that I even get that out of this. Like there's, uh, and maybe that leaves it open to, there are no wrong answers. That's why I want to say we, I could see yeah. I could see a college professor looking at me like, "Well, you just argued your way into <laughs> this is this brilliant. Is, this is brilliant. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Your I think if you inability <laughs> to get there is a sign of something special, right? I guess the fact that I'm acknowledging that that's a possibility is puts it in the brilliant category. I would say. But again, it could also be like my child drew this picture. <laughs> and it was just like primal instinct found a crayon and did this on the wall. <laughs> or on a bottle of lotion. Our youngest yeah. did that and took crayons and uh, colored my lotion for yeah, me. Also did it on a wall, <laughs> which I made them sit in the closet with me while I painted over it all. Uh-huh. You didn't even take pictures of it first. There was nothing to take pictures of. It was, <laughs> it was just scribble, it was, scribble. It wasn't like they were cave drawings <laughs> that were going to mean something someday. Okay. Uh, speaking of Ingrid's uh, unique intonations, two minutes and 12 seconds. Did you hear her say, and I woke up? Yes. Is that what you thought she said? Yeah. Because I I still sing this song. Like, I can sing along with the whole album because I did listen to it a ton. Okay. When it came out because it was a Prince thing. So Uh I'm like, I've got to listen to this a bunch. Haven't listened to it in a very, very long time until these last couple weeks. What did you think she said? It's not that I even thought. I didn't think she said anything. I thought she just made a sound, Mm. which was, and a ooga. (laughs) (laughs) like she was a clown car trying to get traffic moving i guess that goes along with the whole Uh, carnival theme (laughs) 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 though i do have to say this really sounds like the kind of positivity prince needed at the moment when he or in the period after he canceled the black album okay, with a sure. smile on my face and hope in my heart and I'm an l- elephant box under my pillow uh-huh smile on my face and hope in my heart and an elephant box under my pillow i'm living in days of making dreams come true but i'm living in the days of making dreams come true and that all seems like this positivity that Sure. Would have really appealed to Prince. 
Yeah. That even if you don't know what an elephant box is, he liked that positivity. Though uh, I think so, he like, knew exactly. He had more context than we do. He did. Or he's like, what, what is that? Oh, that's interesting. What is that? Yeah. I don't think of, I mean, obviously Prince was a well-read person. I don't mean to say that he was not. So he was exposed to a lot of different types of writing, Mm -hmm. especially as he got older. But I wonder what the conversations were like. That would be interesting to Mm -hmm. know and to hear. We get a false fade out at three minutes and five seconds. I mean, it actually does fade out, but it's not the end of the song. Rolling around in an elephant box. Rolling around in an elephant box. And comes back up, and at 3 minutes and 18 seconds, there's a fun keyboard and guitar-synced solo. Called it Sweet But Mature. Oh, okay. Like, the delivery seemed very immature in a lot of ways, and I felt like that piano guitar bit sounded sweet but mature okay again the dichotomy of it all yeah does it have meaning does it not i think it had meaning i just don't know that we know what that is so the mature part of it all i think is even the term elephant box sounds like Mm -hmm. something that Mm. either an adult would say or like a naive child would name or a container. This is what the family calls it. Oh, yeah. Go get your elephant box. I compare it in my head to I've never heard this term used anywhere outside of my family. When I was a kid growing up, the stuffed footstool that would go with a chair. Uh-huh. An ottoman. Which you would think today is an ottoman. It was called a hassock. Oh in my yeah. household. Is that yeah. I mean, is that a is that a real word? Oh yeah, that's like an old term Hassock. for it. That would be very British. Okay. Very or very Canadian. Okay. Well maybe it was Canadian. That would make sense mm-hmm. since my father was from Canada. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, let's talk about Slappy Dappy. Slappy Dappy. Uh-huh. Uh, it starts with a bunch of questions to challenge you about your life and the sort of idea of predestination. It does. And uh, let's also mention this is Ingrid on vocals and, again, Prince, all instruments. Mm-hmm. Um, very, very urgent, upbeat-sounding track. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, urgent music. Yes. Like, you need to answer some of these questions and in a hurry. Yeah, the t- clock is ticking, man. Mm-hmm. She's kind of like begging you to make choices, make changes, but says, I'm not trying to change your mind. I'm not trying to change your mind. I just think there's a few things you should know. But it kind of feels like the questions are maybe maybe not change your mind just understand your mind it could be she's a vessel of understanding that's right um i did like did somebody hurt you and make you cry and is that tear stained forever beneath your eye somebody hurt you and make you cry and is that tear stained forever beneath your eye i thought that was kind of Nice, like this is a scar that you'll carry with forever. Mm -hmm. A nice way of putting that. Yeah. Into words. Yeah. This is like, I guess you said 
What kind of maturity? How did you describe the writing? Sweet and mature? Yeah, that was the music in okay. Elephant Box. So, like, this is seems mature until you get to the term slappy-dappy, which, y- again, yes. seems like something that a child would say. Uh-huh. I agree. And I kind of got this, there was this altered scream at a minute and nine seconds. And I think that provides some real insight into the song. Ooh, okay. Into the, there's this person that's represented by the music that is troubled and confused and afraid. And that's this urgent sort of music. And then you have very pretty calm recitation uh-huh. by Ingrid. She's like the calm in the storm. Okay. Like Ingrid is this person calm talking to a person who is confused, sad, scared, afraid in the music. Okay. Which is kind of interesting. I got a game. You pull a string and I'll pull a smile. I also thought of mature music, and if we think of Ingrid as this more, I don't want to say naive, because you wouldn't know to ask these kinds of questions if you didn't have life experiences to think there could be lots of reasons for someone doing something or feeling some way, but it's also a hallmark of a child's personality to ask incessant questions and not even give you a chance to answer them Mm. before the next one gets shot at you. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of what this song right. is too. Well, and then we get to this bit and I had a thought. And if you laugh and put me down, I'll just turn around and hide the frown and I'll pretend it doesn't hurt at all. And if you laugh and put me down, I'll just turn around and hide the frown. And I'll pretend it doesn't hurt at all. And I was like, a minute is this an abusive relationship so then i watched that and read the article from september 2019 the current with andrea swenson and she asked ingrid about the song and ingrid said those words come from a person who was not being treated well all the songs were just what i was seeing and experienced and slappy dappy was one of those relationships that i was witnessing so not that she was in it, but she was witnessing. She witnessed a relationship that was abusive okay, emotionally. And this person was the slappy-dappy that she was seeing. Yes, it was an abusive relationship. I felt very vindicated that I got that because it wasn't till later that I found that article. Oh, okay. I think like slappy-dappy is like a fun rhyming way of saying you're punching bag, mm-hmm. essentially, right? Something you can... Your dog, your dog, your chew toy. Yeah. Um, And the music calms at the end, but does end abruptly. Yeah. Next is Little Mama. Little Mama. Uh No Prince Input. No, but this one seems pretty autobiographical. Yes, it does. Mm -hmm. Yes, it does. And... We get more actual singing, so I think that this probably came mm-hmm. after Prince bowed out, yeah. so to speak. Yeah, I kind of this is like slow but kind of poppy, mm-hmm. and we get actual singing at 
30 seconds again. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. With the yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. What's a girl to do? I'm like, I can see, maybe I can see why Warner Brothers wanted a little more singing on the album. Yeah, because she's good at she's it. She's real good at it. Yeah. She might not have a lot of range, but that's not necessarily, we don't hear a lot of range. She might have a ton of range. Yeah. But we didn't hear a lot of range from her. But you know, she did sound quite a bit like Maite. Well, I thought, okay. like, there was I mean, some a lot similarity of the women qualities. That Prince dated and recorded, looked and sounded like Maite. He had Sorry a type. Yeah. Yeah. He even acknowledged it. Yeah. Uh, in, uh, in a song, you know? Yeah. Uh, um, I don't remember which one it was, but yeah, they say all, all my, they all, all, they all look the same. Could yeah. it be, I was just looking for you. Uh-huh. Josh is flipping through his Rolodex and his brain and his All I can hear is you talking, so I can't think of it. Next. Uh, hey, little mama, baby's no reason to lose your dreams. Oh, yeah. This is bolded here as a single mom, and she moved to Minneapolis to, you know, and evidently try to try make it. Make and it, move there because that's where the baby's father was from, and she had a bad experience in Atlanta, and they left, didn't have anything really keeping her there, and then, you know, found uh, that the child's father wasn't particularly interested in right yeah being being a big big part of right the baby's life exactly yep Yep. uh future baby mama damn it that's the song thank you (laughs) uh so yeah it wasn't even about maite but um just continuing continuing along the lines of prince's love interests who shared similar traits Mm mm-hmm um, it may not have had a lot of Prince involvement, but my Paisley door is open wide. Yeah, it's a second song with no Prince involvement and the word Paisley in it. I thought it made sense in light of the baby's father was not interested in really being a part of the child's life. So she felt unsupported, but here was... Prince supporting her, at least professionally. Yeah, giving her an opportunity. Right. Anyway, he probably didn't support her much in terms of... Oh, no, but I mean, (laughs) professionally, he was giving her some support. So giving her the chance to follow her dreams despite having a small child. Yeah, here are opportunities. Come make the most of it. Mm -hmm. And she really embraces motherhood. Mm -hmm. You've just created your finest work of art. Yeah, sweet way. To I thought this was a really, really nice, sweet. I bet she well was a sung. fun mom. Yeah, I've got no argument to the contrary. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, as a child, you want to be able to play with someone who can get to your level, and she certainly seems to be able to like channel her inner child and like, right. and also be impressed and intrigued by how a child learns and explores the world and probably saw a lot of poetry in that process too. Mm-hmm. Then we have Jade Stone, super short, just 45 seconds. You mean Jade Stone? Yeah, yes. I did not know that Prince wrote the lyrics for this. No, he didn't. 
Lyrics for the track were written by Prince, with music written and performed by Prince. Okay, in the current article with Andrea Swenson from September 2019, I felt like that this song was the most immature to me in the way it was written, as it's kind of incomprehensible to anyone but the author without more context. And Ingrid said she read a book called Aztec with a character called Jade Stone. Okay. And she read that book as a teenager about this character called Jade Stone and that this song, this performance, this short 45 seconds is about that character in that particular novel. Maybe it was a discussion that she had. I'm just telling you what I read on Prince Vault, and I'm going there now to check on it. First paragraph. Lyrics for the track were written by Prince with music written and performed by Prince as Paisley Park. And that, I mean, maybe that's a typo. What does it say in the booklet, dear? The credits say, composed by Ingrid Chavez and Paisley Park. Produced by Paisley Park. It does not say written by Paisley Park. So someone tell me where Prince Vault decided that lyrics for the track were written by Prince, quote unquote, second sentence of the song page. Well, I'm when they just didn't even say, give song pages to uh, like Little Mama. Right. I don't know. All I know is that in that article that I read, she said that there was a book called Aztec that she read as a teen and there was a character called Jade Stone and that this song was about that. I demand the truth. <laughs> well, I'm just telling you what Ingrid said in an interview. Okay. Well, regardless, I'm with you on this seeming not very super mature. No. I'm coining. This is like Circle RTM. Dateline Sunday, March 20th, <laughs> 9.36 p.m. It's Super Rossi. <laughs> super rossy super rossy listen like a... to listen to like the the it's not even the the music bed under this it's the soundscape that's underneath here uh-huh. sounds it's like about a dozen presets that people are just like randomly hitting buttons to trigger with you know as the spirit moves them they do it and because it was done with this improvisational spirit, it's therefore, I let the wind blow me. <laughs> Josh said, blow me, and I'm laughing like a <laughs> teenage boy. <laughs> well, I don't know anything about that. All I know is I thought that one was immature, but well, it was short, so whatever. Yeah, what is it? It's uh, 45 seconds. Four, 44 seconds, yeah. The death of a black flower, the son of a holy man, died to lie with you in your gemstone garden. Jadestone. Jadestone. In the days of flowery deaths, buried in a gemstone garden. Jadestone. Jadestone. Can you tell me something? Eyes so black, they tell you lies. So beautiful, so blind. Can you tell me something? Why did you let them die? The death of a black flower, the son of a holy man, died to lie with you in your gemstone garden. Jade Stone. You know what else bothered me is that in something as short 
as a song question mark as jade stone that the word gemstone would also be in it twice and so close to jade stone i i just is it a uh, gemstone or a jade stone yeah pick one and let's go yeah <laughs> that's fine then we have another no prince input song i don't know that's what prince fault says but you know <laughs> they say a lot of things over there <laughs> This is Winter Song. Winter Song. Michael Koppelman did the new backing music, and he took care of it while Prince was out of Larrabee Sound Studios in March of 1991. He was gone for a few hours, and Michael Koppelman came in and did all of the back for it, which impressed Prince. I guess he appreciated the Uh motivations that he had to do it himself. Yeah, yeah. And sort of led to his involvement in other things. Right. And it makes sense that it would be called Winter Song. Mm -hmm. It was winter when Ingrid had her season of time with Prince. Yeah. So Winter Song makes sense. It does. I also thought there was a little bit of Slappy dappy in this mm. one, like somehow urgent and faced fast pace, but it also takes its time too. Mm-hmm. It's fair. It has a, a very eighties feel in this one to me. Okay. Like yeah. The synthesizers yeah. are yeah. very, very eighties. Yep. You know, sort of like I misheard and I woke up. Mm-hmm. I mean, same kind of thing. I think it's just the way that the, this is delivered. The wind and air caress me with winter song. I always hear the London air caress me with winter song. I hear the London air. No matter what you say, that's what I hear. Okay. And I also always thought like London air is what right like it cool is. and damp. It's like atmospheric version of a song, not in fall, spring, or summer. Mm-hmm. Sure. I thought she had a really sweet way of saying that time heals wounds. The change of season mends my broken heart. The change of season mends my broken heart. It's going to be okay. I thought that was sweet. No, it is. There are there are lots of like sweet turns of phrases throughout all of this that are mature. Mm-hmm. But like we said, you know, using the word dichotomy so much, there are equal number of juvenile moments too that I think are not meant to be juvenile, but come off that way. That's fair. I don't know. I need to step outside for a fresh breath of London air. <laughs> I thought the drums sounded really 80s, too. Yeah, you're right. And then this, the guitars have this kind of <laughs> late 80s, early 90s, yeah. heavier rock hairband yes, vibe. Yes, definitely hairband uh-huh. going on. Yeah, not the kind that you use to put into your hair to hold it back. No, like but the kind that's like a white like snake meets poison. Yeah, yes, it's like if white snake rear-ended Ernest Hemingway. Yeah, <laughs> and there it has this like kind of false end at three minutes and thirty seconds, which I'm like, why didn't they just end it there? Because 
it would have been a lot more effective to me okay. than coming back in with this fade out. Okay. You know, I love a good fade out. And that's... <sighs> then we have Spiritual Storm. This one's fully Michael Koppelman. Yeah, this is again it's where I kind of like, think Ingrid doesn't play instruments. Yeah. Prince is not involved. So it's an interlude not involving either of them on a poetry album based around Prince asking Ingrid to write 21 poems. Uh-huh. So I keep coming back to like in my notes, be sure to say this. <laughs> so I do question my own smarts. I am if anything, I'm smart enough to question if I'm smart enough. But am I too stupid to understand a deeper meaning or is there none to understand? This is like a little interlude, but a minute and 41 seconds on a 40 minute album is a good percentage of time. You know what I mean? Five I'm not saying album, that yeah. yeah, I'm not saying that poetry and art can be reduced to mathematics or analytics, nor should it. But I don't know. Here we are. Oh, 20. How many years later are we now? 30. 30 years. Four years later. 32 years later. Yeah. Well, 30 years this later. one was done in the early 90s. Yeah. When they were in the studio. Right. So thir- 32 years later. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Spirit, spiritual well, storm. Well, okay. you know, it would have made more sense to me if it had come right after Slappy Dappy. Okay. To kind of reiterate that rising storm that then calms. Oh, I thought you were going to say, was it Candle Dance? Yes, there's Candle Dance too. But Slappy Dappy, with the music sounds like an anxious person yeah whom ingrid is trying to calm down and this would have seemed to have fit better right after that to the swelling of the storm that reaches a crescendo and then it calms again where i was going was candle dance you know ends with this very poetic it's raining and then we have spiritual storm which would have like continued that also but instead it's after winter song which you would think it'd do a little bit more of snowing in winter than rain unless they're thinking this is spring coming the spiritual storm is i don't know it's this brooding awakening sure thank you very much okay and it's cut weird at the end the very end of the track like there's a little weird pop at the end of the track hmm. and it's the beginning of sad puppet dance. Okay. But it's just sloppily uh, tracked. I've never noticed that before. So I'll have to go back and look. It's a slappy dappy tracky treatment. Mm-hmm. It is. Okay. Then we have sad puppet dance. Do do. Mm-hmm. Again, no Prince involvement, supposedly, well, right? Right, but this was one of the ones that was written and recorded in 87 in Paisley Park, so there is an unreleased version somewhere with Prince playing Getting super Rossi underneath. with it. Yeah, yeah, getting real Rossi uh-huh. with it. This also comes from a place of abuse, I thought. Yes. You know, asking, uh, but also... 
weirdly putting blame or shame or responsibility on the abused, which I yes. did not feel good about the more I started reading the lyrics. Well, it's it's trying to be empowering. Okay. About you're worth more than this. You're worth more than this abusive relationship that you're in. But really putting the onus on the abuse to cut the strings that bind you to the sad puppet dance. Cut the strings that bind you to the sad puppet dance. To let somebody do this to you. I cannot imagine saying that to a, I mean, in this case, like an abused woman. Yeah. Uh, because she starts off with, girl, you should be ashamed to let somebody do this to you. Girl, you should be ashamed to let somebody do this to you. You know, it assumes control in a situation that, I mean, I don't think anyone likes the act of being abused. I mean, there's an addiction to that kind of attention that's obviously very unhealthy. Mm-hmm. But to say that it's something to be ashamed of sure comes off weird to me. Right. Well, and she's really hard on this girl. Even a blind man can see straight through you. Mm -hmm. Even a blind man could see straight through you. This is really like victim blaming. It is. Which surprises me. Again, I'm thinking all of these things and I'm saying them on a podcast that will live in the ether forever. But thinking to myself, what what am I, did I miss something here? Can I possibly be misinterpreting this? But I keep coming back to, Mm. no. I think it's the idea that remove yourself from your, this situation, remove yourself from the, this poor relationship, get out of it. But that's assuming that there's the ability to get out of it, that they're not trapped in some way. Yeah, either financially or fear or, you know, the hundreds of reasons why someone stays in in an abusive relationship or, you know, denial even. Mm -hmm. It can be so difficult. Sometimes knowing where they are is a comfort in and of itself. I mean, do you know how many women are murdered by people they have restraining orders against? A lot. The restraining order doesn't really do much until after they've attacked you again it's just a way to hold them accountable after the fact that's right it's It's not not, it's not protection i mean it's it's really not assuming you survive an encounter i guess it could be protection but it's not like because you have a restraining order against someone then there's this magical force field around you they can violate it yeah and you can call the police and they may no, come walk but outside your not... house to buy groceries and there they are yeah so i don't know i it does feel a little it's i think it's trying to be empowering mm-hmm. but it feels like it's blaming the victim and this is another part where i started listening to it more and more and thinking to myself am i you know if i get this wrong then i really sound stupid but I keep looking for ways that I'm interpreting this incorrectly and I'm not finding them. I'm not finding them. I'm not finding them. So if it's meant to be do something else, then it's done really poorly because someone of, give me a little credit, slightly above average intelligence, Mm -hmm. it's lost on me. I don't think she meant it to be blaming the victim, but I think it comes across that way. Now, I think 
the late eighties, early nineties that you have to take it in that context. That's very true. Also, and we're, we're looking at it in a 2022 lens. This seems inappropriate in a lot of ways, but looking at it from a 1997 or, or a 1987 or a 1991 lens, maybe it was, it, it was taken differently. Yeah. There are a whole lot of songs from that time that are, problematic now and i can remember thinking of them as anthems okay so i totally agree or you know then i then i step back even further i'm like wait is it purposefully shame blaming Mm -hmm. and that's the statement that's you know the oh you know am i missing the bigger picture i I don't think you're missing the bigger picture uh, okay but i did find myself constantly stepping back stepping back stepping back and i'm like i can see the entire i could see all the trees i see the whole forest i even hear sherwood forest (laughs) on this album (laughs) and i don't think i'm i don't think i'm missing it and i don't think i i'm down with it that's fine okay and then we have Whispering Dandelions, the final track, track 11. It was also on the Hippie Blood single. Right. Evidently, the original musical backing is used somewhere in this mix. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. And this was a poem that Ingrid wrote for Prince about giant dandelions that grew behind a fence near the apartments where she lived in Minneapolis. And she has a very sweet story about... Finding a one of these giant dandelions in a resin paperweight, okay, and giving it to Prince, like it was kind of a ball, and I have a gift for you, and she rolled it to him, and it delighted him. Interesting, because this is another one on Prince Vault where it clearly says, "quote unquote," lyrics for the track were written by Prince. That's not what she said in 2019. Well, well, Ingrid needs to be made an editor on Prince Vault and go in and annotate this thing. Yeah. I thought this is another sound effects extravaganza, which uh, certainly uh, falls in line with the story that this was part of the original recordings and idea that got pushed back from Warner Brothers, you know, filled with echoes that are either beautiful or a scene from the ring that didn't make the final cut. That's what I, you know, there's this like a pre echo in some of these things where like you hear her own echo before she sees, she says the actual words that are echoing. So it's almost like a reverse effect, even though it's not backwards. It's just, you hear the echo leading up to the words and sounds that should be producing the echo rather than echoing the echo. Right. The sunshines, I think I'll stay. No, I know I'll stay. Which is very, can be unnerving. Yeah. Yeah. Is it the ring where the girl like like crawls backwards in this weird contorted way downstairs and stuff? Yes. That she crawls out of televisions. She's a, Japanese water demon. Okay. That is what I hmm. okay. pictured. Oh, I didn't find this one nearly that disconcerting. Okay. Yeah. I'm not not the not the lyrics and not necessarily even the underlying Rasaganza, but <laughs> the 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 vocal effects is what were I wanna say like I don't know, just brought 
It was disturbing. And maybe it's because it's been used in ways since this was recorded mm-hmm. to create this kind of horror uh, sure. atmosphere. Sure. You know, so that might not be this song's fault. Yeah. In that regard. Yeah. Things that came after color your view of it now. Yeah. I loved the idea of comparing love and a dandelion. Fragile. If I whispered, I love you, you might get scared and fly away. Mm -hmm. If I whispered, I love you, you might get scared and fly away. I just thought that was, it brought such a clear image in such a pretty way to help understand the kind of relationship that's being described here. I agree. Okay. But I also kept coming back to, by the time a dandelion can be affected that way by you whispering or by a gentle breeze and the seeds fly away, that flower is dead. Yes. Right? So the beauty doesn't appear until the pretty part's gone, literally. It's fleeting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, that is very fair. I think I want to build a house here and paint it with your smile because heaven knows it's my favorite color. Mm-hmm. I think I want to build a house here and paint it with your smile because heaven knows it's my favorite color of all in the emotional dark. It's very sweet mm-hmm. and really kind of harkens back to the idea that Ingrid wrote a note to Prince telling him to smile, which, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. I'm like... We just had this conversation. What was it that we were watching where... Oh, it was uh, the thing our friend did, the um, the boot camp documentary that our oh, friend yeah, made, yeah. and the guy a, told her to smile, and I'm like, yeah, drill sergeant I, told a woman no, to, to not, smile. No, it wasn't a drill or, sergeant; it was her boot camp instructor. Okay, well, that's smile. What you did a good job, and I'm like, yeah. don't tell a woman to smile. Just you know, yeah. don't. Yep. So, I thought it was very interesting. There is a lyric that really hits the crux of Prince relationships without maybe really knowing that this is the crux of relationships with Prince. As long as the sun shines, I think I'll stay. And as long as the sun shines, I think I'll stay. And the women are often surprised by when the sun sets. The sunset comes upon them more quickly than they think it will. Okay, True. <laughs> Yeah, or the ambiguity of it all. Like the sun is still shining even when you happen to be on the part of Earth that's not <laughs> facing the sun anymore. So there is always this out. Right. That, it's true. you know, well, I told you, you know, yeah, or a way, a way to point a finger is there because yeah. of the ambigu- ambiguity of it all. Uh-huh. Mm. This was also sampled in a song called OBE. Out of Body Experience from 1993 by a band called Rabbit in the Moon. Wow. Yeah. Didn't know that. And it was uh, also sampled in a couple of other experimental songs from the early 90s. Okay. And all of them seem to use the Will You Meet Me bit from the start. Interesting. Will you meet me? Or the end, right? Isn't that the very final words of the song, too? Yes. Will you meet me? So 
Well, there you go, I guess. I mean, yeah. if uh, you look at poetry as a thing that's supposed to invoke discussion and a little bit of emotion <laughs> and no. contradictions, <laughs> then this was, yeah, it did it did the job. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that the late 80s, early 90s is like a treasure trove of <laughs> thoughtful writing. I'm sure there was some good literature written then but i you know you don't think of it as if you you know if you son if you want to learn about poetry (laughs) what you need to do is google poetry from the late 80s and start reading (laughs) that's fair all right so we've made it to the end of these performances so now it's time for us to make some selections We choose three things, a time capsule, something that exemplifies when the material was recorded or when it was released. We choose a C, the low point, and we choose a mountain, the high point. We do that, yes. Yes, these are my rules. So I make the choosing, I do the choosing first. Okay. I kind of like, I make the choosing first. I make the choosing. It's more poetic that way. That's right. It would be a good track 14 from this album. (laughs) Hidden track, make the choosing. Make the choosing. Make the choosing. So the time capsule for me is the drums and the keys in Winter Song. Okay. Feel very much like that bridge of the 80s ending and the 90s not yet having found its sound. Okay. Totally can see that. Yeah. My time capsule is a poem. Of Seven Words by Josh Norman. The entire concept of a poetry album. (laughs) I mean, was that not like the thing to do? I don't know if it's because of the age that I was when this was done. Well, and poetry slams were a huge thing in the early 90s. Totally, totally. Or open mic nights and this kind of stuff. Yeah. I had a friend who was on PBS in a poetry slam. I got to go watch her perform on live public television. Didn't know that. Yeah. PBS. Poetry mm-hmm. Big Shot. <laughs> sure. All right. The C, the low point, because it sounds the most juvenile and the least relatable. Jade Stone. Jade Stone. Jade Stone. Gemstone. Jade Stone. Gemstone Garden. Jade the son of a holy man, Christy. I think that's going to be how I start swearing moving forward. The son of a holy man. Died to lie with you in your gemstone garden. For me, the sea was... I can get on board with Jade Stone, but I'm going to say spiritual storm because okay. no Ingrid, no Prince. Why is this here? Next. That's fair. I did try and give it the idea that somebody made the choice for it to be there definitely and that it was somebody thought it was it fit for whatever reason and maybe i just don't get it so that's why i didn't choose that. yeah i mean there i'm i'm saying it for the 14th time i keep thinking i have thought this through am i stupid (laughs) i'm like gut check gut check time am i stupid or am i right i'm gonna walk away and say i'm right okay that's fine. The mountain. Yeah. Uh, for me, I like the pretty picture that's painted by whispering dandelions. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I really appreciate the experimental feel when I'm in the right mood. Okay. This is very much a I'm in the right mood Correct. Album. Correct. Like 46 degrees, overcla- overcast, rainy day, uh-huh. wine drinking kind of album. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We get so many of those days in South Texas. There's like there's like three days a year we can listen to this album on a day that feels right. Yeah, that's right. For me, the mountain was Elephant Box. Okay. I don't, I can't really tell you why, other than it was the opening single, and I remember the maxi single really, really well. Converted it to a cassette tape for myself to listen to, and my. 1989 Chrysler LeBaron Mm -hmm. and I listened to it a bunch and like the Prince involvement it's a weirdly attractive song sure so it it gets my vote excellent excellent well tell us what we're going to check out next time I think you said it early on in this one we are going to spend some time diving deep into the six sides of the elephant box maxi single Uh And also the Hippie Blood maxi single. And I'm going to make you watch the videos, too, because there's uh, videos for Hippie Blood, Elephant Box, Heaven Must Be Near, and there's a video for Sad Puppet Dance. So I'm going to force you to watch them. You're going to have to, you're going to have to like clockwork orange my face to (laughs) get me through that. But okay. Whatever it takes for the podcast. Do it for the podcast. That's right. Thank you so much for listening. We know you make a choice when you listen to us. If you haven't yet told a friend, please do tell a friend because it's more fun when you can talk about, you know, how we don't understand the Ingrid Chavez album (laughs) with a friend. And uh, until next time, happy purple listening. You know, before I say thanks for sticking with us, I do want to give credit to Prince in the late 80s, early 90s, making an album with a woman who he may have may not had like a romantic involvement with, but he did not turn it into a Carmen Electra kind of thing or force her to be something that she wasn't. That's And very mold fair. her into a thing that would be a vanity or an Apollonia or one mm. of those things. So a little bit of empowerment of women i think kind of comes through here to me too that is super fair and that makes me think that that's why she why sad puppet dance comes across as kind of judgmental yeah is because she was as in control as she was she was kind of Mm self-assured and able to stand up for herself in this way yeah and so maybe there was some judgment there maybe so Interesting. Well, I'll say it then. Thanks for sticking with us. Mm-hmm. Welcome back to the Mountains and the Sea, where we explore the highs and lows of each and every Prince album every other week. I'm Christy. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Come on. I was waiting Throw for it. Throw me a bone. <laughs> Getting us off on a nice laugh. Thank you. Getting us off. That's all I heard. <laughs> Yep. Uh, released. Released. Uh, sure, sure it was. <laughs> after. After. 